I want to preach to you this morning and tonight about the touch of Jesus, the touch of the Master's hand in the glorious gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The touch. We need a touch from Jesus. We need to be touched by Him. We need Him to put His hand on us. Oh, yes. There were many in the New Testament that they needed the hand of Jesus on them. I'll probably use this in the morning and the evening, so you pray for me. As we talk to you about the touch of the Master's hand. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time with the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. Now what am I bid for this old violin? Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? Only a dollar? Two dollars. And who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, and going for three? But no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, wiping the dust from the old violin, tightening up all the strings. He played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as a caroling angel sings. Then the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, Now what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand! A thousand! Who make it two? Two thousand. And who make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, cried he. The people cheered. But some of them said, We don't do not understand what changed its worth. The man replied, Twas the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with a life out of tune, and battered and scarred with sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice and going and almost gone. But the master comes and the thoughtless crowd never can quite understand what's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. I'll tell you what, we need Jesus to touch us. He touched us in salvation. And I'm going to get on with the, that. I'm going to give you mainly that part this morning. But tonight, change that's wrought, amen, by the touch of the Master's hand. Oh, isn't it wonderful that he touched us one day? I want to go through a number of scriptures. Tonight I'll be giving you more about the touch for believers. But this morning I want to give you the touch of Jesus in salvation. And it's found first in Matthew 8. I'm going to read all the scriptures and then I'm going to come back and preach the message because if I don't, I think that it'll be too lengthy and I don't have any time. We already had a good time, didn't we? We went home and said amen right now. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? Amen. Matthew 8. Follow with me, please, as I read a number of these scripture verses. You can remain seated while I read these, and then maybe we'll get up for the last part. But you just remain seated as we go through Matthew chapter 8. It'll be easier for you to follow sitting down. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, 
saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. The same chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. Chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 24. Well, verse 18, I want to read from verse 18. Matthew 9, verse 18. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which, hath a, a, was, uh, which was diseased with an issue of blood, twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And now down to verse number 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and the fame hereof went abroad, abroad into all that land. Now, chapter 9 Verse 27, please. 27. 27. And when Jesus departed, thence two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And then touched he their eyes. The emphasis on this now. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, Seest, see that thou, that no man know it. But they, when they had departed, were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. And then, if you'll go with me to Matthew 20, verse 30, uh, 30, 29, Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. I know this is a lot of reading, but we'll get to the, the bulk of the message shortly, so follow through. Nothing's better than the Word of God. Our fancy ideas will never compare to it. That's why we need to keep putting Scripture out there on our sign, Mrs. Buhorn. Changed it this week. Praise be to God. I said she's at it again. Amen. And I liked her sign, and I gave her the thumbs up as I went by the other day. I'm telling you, it's got to be pretty stormy for Mrs. Buhorn not to get out there and change that sign. I tell you, I, I thank God for everything's done around this church. You say, well, nobody ever appreciates me. Oh, yes, we do. We may not say it. We appreciate every, everything done for our wonderful Lord. By the way, pray, is, the, is, your, is your electricity back on? They don't know. Here are the Hamblins. Called this morning, said their electricity's off. And I said, "Well, you, I got on the phone. I said, well, you could take, uh, you know, come and be, be at the meal.'" She said, "I've got the meal today.'" I said, "Oh, great! How are you going to cook it all? I don't know." She said, "It's all ready." I'll tell you what. Hey, what if I, what if our electricity went out in all of our houses? We didn't get it back for a year. 
Amen. We'd be sure humbled, wouldn't we? Amen. Okay. Matthew 20, verse 29. Follow with me now. 20, verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Praise God, Jesus touched them. Now go with me to Mark 7 verse 32. Mark 7, this is Matthew's gospel. Mark 7, verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseeched him to put his hand upon them. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephrata, that is, to, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal. They published it. And then, if you will, to Luke chapter 7, verse 14. Luke 7, verse 14. And he came and touched the beer or the casket of the widow of Nain's son, the Bible says earlier. And they that bear him stood up, stood still. And said, he said, he touched the beer, and young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Glory be to God. We need the touch of the master. By the way, as he was touching the, the, the casket, he was touching the young man. I'm sure his body, his body was Close to the casket, don't you think? He was laying in it. Oh, that Jesus had touched us. Praise God. That's what I'm talking about this morning. He, he touched us. Amen. He touched us. Oh, what a great Savior we have. Let's bow for prayer now. Our Father, we love thee. Thank thee for thy wonderful word. Thank thee for salvation. Full and free. Thank you, Lord, that one day you walked by and you touched me like you touched others. Spiritually precious, Lord, and yet here these were physically touched, and yet spiritually as well. Oh, God, how we need the touch of the Master, the Master's hand. Help us, we pray now, to just convey these truths to thy people, that we might be better for it. We'll thank thee in Jesus' precious and all-glorious name.
Amen. Amen. Getting back to our first one, the first one was a leper. And they were going to go around saying, unclean, unclean. Un they were the untouchables. Nobody wanted to touch them. But Jesus touched him and cleansed him from his leprosy. Leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. And we've all been touched by the terrors and the awfulness of sin. The second one was uh, the touch of Jesus' hand, hand upon uh, Peter's mother-in-law. She had a fever. And that's the problem with a bunch of us. We have a fever toward evil, a fever toward sin. We've got an infection in our body that's causing a fever. By the way, what do the doctors do right away when they say, they say, ah, stick your tongue out and say, ah. They can tell a lot by your throat. In one part of the Bible says, your throat is an open sepulcher in God's clinic. They can tell a lot by your tongue and see if they see if uh, all the, it's all festered up with poison. They can tell a lot. Yeah, they look into your eyes sometimes. They look into your ears, but they always look at your tongue. Always look at your tongue. Always have, and I think they still do, don't they? Medicine. I'll tell you what our big problem is, our tongue. Amen? Do you know what destroyed Moses? He spake unadvisedly and didn't go in the promised land. Aaron the same way. Miriam, his sister, all three of them had a problem with their tongue, didn't they? And yet it says Moses was the meekest man that was alive. Had a problem with their tongue. I think we're going to have a problem with our tongue too if we are not careful. All of us, from the pastor all the way back, amen. Our, it says in James, our tongue is an unruly evil. It's set on fire of hell. No man can tame the tongue. May God help us. May God help us. They all died in the wilderness because they murmured. Even Miriam was turned into a leper. Because she spake against Moses and got her brother Aaron involved with it as well. Amen? Terrible, terrible. Murmuring is a terrible problem. In, in your dad's church up there, you know what? That's going to be the problem. It was the problem. He told me a couple times of those problems. They had one woman in there wanted to dress like a heathen on the church property, right? Amen? But they can't dress like a bunch of heathens on the church property. Amen? But it was a woman. She took a couple of families with her probably, didn't she? They never just take one with them. They always take someone else. Don't you be so gullible as to go and follow any man or woman and leave the church of a living God that God's hands upon and souls are being saved at the altar. Don't you dare go with someone else. You're a very weak and naive Christian if you go with anybody that leaves this church. You remember that, Mr. Lane. Amen? There'll be a time in your life, if you live to be as old as me, and there's going to be a time when you're going to be encouraged to leave the church or the place of blessing. And you tell the devil to get lost, and he's already lost. Hallelujah. Amen? Get thee behind me, Satan. He'll try to get you off the right path. Get you out of the right church. Get you out of the place where you can serve God. You just listen to God and stay in that book and pray and try to be faithful to the things you learned in the earlier days. Amen? Just ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. By the way, don't receive an accusation against an elder, but before two or three witnesses. That's exactly what that woman did. She received an accusation against your father. 
or she had a gripe in her heart and she conveyed it to some other woman. Right? Didn't she? Huh? Did she just leave by herself, that one? No, she took others, didn't she? Huh? That's wicked. I said, that's wicked! Because they're almost always now. It's even more wicked now than it used to be. You know why? Because there aren't many good churches out there. See, a uh, uh, hundred, hundred years ago, 80 and 100 years ago, all the churches, even the Methodist churches and the Episcopalian church, I'm serious, even the Episcopalian church, churches, they wouldn't have thought about sanctioning perversion, homosexuality. They were all orthodox. They had a little bit more form, formalness. But all the Baptist churches were at least orthodox. The Methodist churches, listen to Dr. Bob Jones Sr., I've got some tapes, six or seven, eight, and we want Mrs. Boorn to do those up for us and get them out to our people. And the fellow that wrote that little book on the, on the uh, King James Version, I told you earlier, he, he graduated uh, right around the same time I did from Bob Jones. And Dr. Bob Jones Sr. held his boy the same year that he died, and that was the same year he held my baby Julie, Dr. Bob Sr. And boy, he said... He said, back then, they, you know, they didn't have problems with dress. They didn't have problems with long-haired men. They didn't have all this mess. They Nobody would have thought about having a, a, a pervert in the pulpit. They wouldn't have thought about having a twice-married man in the pulpit. It was out of the question. And now it's an issue I have to face every pastor's fellowship I go to. This last fellowship, I went down there, and not the pastor of the church, but the one who is over the pastor's fellowship, the BBF, Baptist Bible Fellowship. He had his marriage annulled. And I determined if he was going to preach, I was leaving. Because I'd heard earlier, I called, his, I called Brother Burkholder, and you know what he said to me about annulment? He said, that's a break of a promise. That you'll live with that person till death does you part. Right? And I said, God bless you, Brother Burkholder. I haven't hardly found anybody as strong as him in that area in most all of Texas. Except maybe Brother out here, John Hopkins, is pretty strong in that area. I'm telling you. What we, And all they are is believing like the men did 70 and 80 and 90 and 100 years ago. All the churches were orthodox. They're not orthodox now. Huh? You think they would have stood up? The Episcopalians would not have put up with somebody, if they had TV back then, having the Super Bowl on Sunday with girls dressed like that, like the cheerleaders, advertised by alcohol. Probably the wrong music and the halftime thing was, a, was abominable. And bring an abomination and make it desolate right into the church house. I'm telling you, the Episcopalian churches wouldn't have put up with that back in those days. Huh? Surely the Methodist churches wouldn't have put up with it. When I was a boy, the Methodists even preached one sermon a year on teetotal, no alcohol at all. 
Woo! Should have been preached more than that, but thank God for once a year. Now, everything goes, it seems like. Well, we need the touch of the master's hand. Then we have the damsel that was raised from the dead. He took her by the hand, it says, and he raised her up. And they laughed him to scorn, but not for long. You can't be laughing to the place of scorn to our lovely Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden they said, we were wrong. We've never seen anything like this before. The damsel arose. And you know, we're all dead in trespasses and sins until Jesus comes by and gives us life. We're dead. We're, we're, as the extreme Calvinists, and I'm not one of them, but as the Calvinists say, they're plumb dead. They're dead dead, and I believe they are. I don't understand salvation completely, but I know one thing. There's no, there's no salvation, no grace no, and I don't believe in, the, in, the, in the, much of that covenant theology either. I don't know. I know one thing. They're lost until they're found. Amen. They're lost until they're saved. You're to pray for your children for their salvation. I don't understand it all, but I know the God who knows it all. And I have the book that says it all. And one day he'll declare unto me a few things that I don't know about. That are too great and too high for me. The two blind men. Praise God, the two blind men. We're all blind, but Jesus came by and gave us sight. We were blind to the wonders of the word, were we not? We were blind to the grace of our wonderful Savior. We were blinded to the awfulness of hellfire and judgment. We were blind to sin and blinded by sin. But oh, when Jesus came by and touched these two blind men, glory be to God, they could see. And that's what he did for me. He touched me. He touched you. Amen. Now we can see. The Bible's so precious. We love souls spiritually and want to see them saved. Amen. Got Brother Lightsey out there. You're giving those tracks out and these others out there at Walmart. Man, he was charging them all. And those young people were, were, were ahead of you, but you're right on their heels, brother. Oh, that wonderful word of God. Hey, 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 hey. There's a lot of pastors don't even give out tracts anymore. They don't even have track racks in the churches. Don't tell me about that. A good number, over 50% of all the independent Baptist churches, I believe it is, over 50% have absolutely not one soul winning time a week, and we have three. <laughs> glory be to God. I said glory be to God, not glory be to Pastor Harvey. I said glory be to God. So many people say, well, I, I need to get out of this church. Go to another church. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I, I told you, you, you. Later on, you remember, I, I told you so. I said, I told you so. If you find a church that's straight in their doctrine, hello? Straight in their doctrine and their soul winning. Amen? And their mission minded. I received a thing from the mega, mega school, mega pastor school. I need, to, I need to preach maybe Wednesday night, I'll give you this. I'm telling you, they, they had no promotion of missions. They didn't say one word in there about soul winning, and that's all it was supposed to be about. I was aghast. I mean, the things that were important to the heart of God were not even mentioned there. 
And they had, they had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pastors and their wives giving all these mega schools. There was only one problem. As I told a dear pastor out there where Brother Hugh Wall was visiting yesterday, I said, I think they left Jesus out of the whole thing. They left God out. They didn't mention prayer, but one missionary that they were going to have. One missionary. And he mentioned prayer. Can you believe that? All this organization and no Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for soul winning. They didn't even have the term in there. I thought, what is going on? You better ask God for wisdom, friends. Ask God for wisdom as you try to do his work. Then, we have the two blind men again. But I'm telling you, there's a great need there. Then we have, we have this deaf and dumb one, deaf and dumb one. And Jesus touches what? Touches his tongue. Jesus touched the eyes of the blind man. By the way, we need our eyes touched too. Getting back to the blind. The two blind men. We need our eyes touched, fellas. Amen. Jesus needs to touch our eyes so they won't look at these bad things. These evil things that are all around us. May God help us. May God help us to shelter our children from evil things. You can't go to H-E-B. You can't go to Walmart without seeing things that we'd have never thought about it seeing on the front of a magazine when I was a boy. People were decent back then. People were common sense and had a, even if they weren't saved, they had a semblance of, of a fear of God. Having such filth right there with children can see it. And both of those stores, Walmart and H-E-B, were started by Christians. But they both have alcohol in them now. They wouldn't have thought of it being allowed when they were alive. Nor this semi-pornography or whatever it is. The pornography of yesteryears is now the so-called semi-pornography of today. Terrible. And in this one article Brother Burkholder gave, he said the average family... They do about five, uh, three to seven hours of homework a, a week. And they watch TV 20 hours a week. And they go to school 30 hours a week. The average children. I'd like to know when they have time to play. And act normal. The terrible tube. Touched the young man, by the way, the widow. Touched the beer, touched the casket. And the young man sat up. You think they were shocked? Sat up and started talking. Now, can you imagine going, I'm Jesus, broke up a beautiful funeral procession. But oh, the widow of Nain, was she happy about it all, Amen. She was a widow. She wanted her boy alive. And Jesus said, I, I'm not going to let him sleep any longer. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus sat up. Oh, when we 
get touched. And we'll speak for the Lord when we get touched by Jesus. Amen. It's what John's father did. John the Baptist's father spake out and prophesied. That's what Elizabeth did at the very presence of the Master, the Lord Jesus in the womb of Mary. Glorified God and Mary herself glorified God. Her great magnificat, they call it. Glorious. And I want to say this. He touched me. In 1959, he touched me. I was so upset with my sin and upset with my sorry self. I'd gotten, I'd gotten to the place where I didn't think much of myself anymore. It's <laughs> a good place to get to. You're getting close to getting saved. I had argued all, they'd argued me all out. I was all argued out, amen. I had no more arguments to give. And I started saying, I need to be saved. And Friday night at Central New York Baptist Camp, 44, 45 years ago, something happened to me. And that happening was that Jesus came by and touched me. He touched me. And when he touched me, he touched me with salvation and his glory. How has he touched you? As a leper? Do you have the fever of sin? Are you dead in trespasses and sin? Are you still blind? Are you deaf and dumb? Your tongue's not working right? Oh, I have to give this little illustration about the tongue. I'm reading it in a book on fasting by Elmer Towns. And Elmer Towns said that before he got saved, he said he cursed. He said, I went to church every week, every Sunday he said, I went to church. I was just as faithful as anybody could have been. But he said, I had a terrible cursing problem. And he said, I tried to straighten myself up and it didn't work. I got worse. My habit got worse and worse as the years went by. And then one day I got saved. When I got saved, he said, I didn't want to curse anymore. He said, I quit. God just instantly took it away from me. All my trying didn't work, but my trust in Christ changed me completely. And I didn't want to curse anymore. You may be dead and on the way to the cemetery, but praise God if Jesus comes by and touches your casket. Hallelujah. Something's going to happen. Oh, everything happened at the presence of the master. Aren't you glad he came by one day and touched your life, young person? Spoke to your heart? Some of you young teenagers and preteens and littler ones, maybe some of the older ones, and you say, well, I need Jesus to come by and touch me. Well, you just ask him to touch you. He'll touch you. You get emptied of yourself and sick of your sin and sick of yourself and come with a repentant heart, and he'll change you. He'll come in, he'll touch your life, and you'll never be the same. He'll touch you with salvation. Yes, we were all lepers and had a fever and were dead already and blind and deaf and dumb. But praise God, Jesus came by and touched our life. Won't you let him touch you today? Let's pray. Our Father, bless, we pray. Thy wonderful word. Oh, come by and touch us, Lord, as you touch these precious ones here. Oh, do a great work in our hearts. Touch me, Lord. I'm so prone to say the things I ought not to say. 
Dear Lord, we're so prone to think the thoughts that maybe should... They're just not the best thoughts. The thoughts of thee or heaven or of thy glory or the wonders of salvation. Help us to realize the carnal mind is enmity against thee. Save the lost and touch the hearts of others. And may we want Jesus to come by and touch us afresh. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, oh, that we be touched with thy forgiveness, thy love and thy mercy, thy tenderness, so that we can be that way to others, not judging them, but encouraging them and helping them, and still standing against evil. Help us, Lord.